0: Podcast with someone from US News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I'm one of your hosts, Seth and coming up on this week's show. Our reactions to the revenge of the switchbacks, United suffers from delayed gratification, what must what goes up must come down and more. And including that more is of course the failure of the Atlanta Falcons.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: This is episode number 16 of our show. I want to thank everyone for their continued support of our show. We wouldn't be here without each and every one of you listening to the show week in and week out, whether it's here on Twitch or in any of the podcast services around the globe. Uh, I do want to mention specifically that as of the 17th, Uh, Amazon officially launched their podcast player. It it can be found through Amazon Music as well as the Audible Library as well. Uh, We were selected ahead of time to put our podcast out on this platform as well as I don't even know how many others, but we are now on Amazon Music. You can find us through their podcast section. We are the only Suncast on Amazon Podcasts. Uh, just so you know, there are a couple su- other suncasts on uh, on Apple Music if you tried to find us there. Uh, those shows I believe are all defunct, but they're still there. Uh, but yeah we are the only suncast on, on Amazon music so you should find us quite easily over there And again of course we want to thank each and every one of you who, who do show up here on our twitch channel uh, every Tuesday night when we record our show live and UKIs of course can't be part of the show by joining in the chat you can leave comments questions in there and myself Jacob and Earl will we'll will get to those and we'll and we'll discuss those on the show Before we get into this week's discussion I do of course remind you guys that Jacob and I do have written content over on our website. We cover New Mexico United matches, pre-match and post-match each and every week. You can find that over at dadventuresmedia.com. Housekeeping is done. You, if you've been watching on our Twitch channel here, you already know that Jacob and Earl are both here with me again this week. I'm going to bring both of you guys in, and just like last week, I'm going to give you guys one question, okay? I'll get your quick thoughts. NFL season one, season two is in the books. What do you think of the injury situation surrounding the NFL?
1: First, I would like to say that the, one of the Suncasts on Apple Podcast is, quote, your local broadcasting central where you can hear a variety of shows from the El Paso area. Just the fact that it's El Paso is a little weird to me. I feel like they did that on purpose. Maybe it's a fake one. But anyways, um, these injuries, man, um, as an avid fantasy football player and an owner of Christian McCaffrey, in a league that I just joined this year, that was way more money to get into than I've ever had to pay to get into a fantasy league before. Um, they suck, they suck bad and they suck hard and I'm not happy about them, uh, from a fantasy perspective. Also from just a personal perspective, obviously you just, you hate to see people get injured. You hate to see teams, um, Granted, the two teams that I think were affected most, well, two of the three teams that I think were affected most were the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey and the Giants with Saquon Barkley. Now, their seasons probably weren't going anywhere anyways, um, kind of middle of the pack to bottom of the pack teams. But San Francisco, uh, I'm not a San Francisco fan, but y- you feel bad for their fans and for that team just because they had, I think, seven or eight starters go down on um sunday and most of them are going to be down significant time it sounds like so i think it has to be lack of preseason and lack of training with this covid stuff i would assume but i also feel like we almost always have one week like this every year where things are worse than usual i don't know if they've ever quite been this bad but i do feel like it's something that that comes up one week a year where we have a few more injuries than than usual but this, this this year does seem pretty bad and and uh i feel for all the the players that got hurt and their teams and and their fans of their teams um i i think most of our three teams came out relatively unscathed um we had a receiver that didn't play because of he was in concussion protocol but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Earl. But did did um did your team have any? Oh well, uh, let me get to your team. I want to get to your team in a minute. Seth, I know has a team full of injuries because uh, they all have broken hearts after after Sunday's game. But um, Earl, did you guys? You didn't have anybody here to get injured, did you?
2: So no, we did not have anyone get injured this week. But last week we did have three go down. We had Layton Van Der Esch go down. We had Tyron Smith go down. We had oh, yeah. one of our linemen go down. So it's about time you guys catch up. Welcome to the party. Um, welcome to the rooting for injury-ridden, beaten-up teams. Um, next week for Seth, they'll be in the same boat where he's rooting for a beaten-up team. Um, if you guys have any kind of pull into the play calls for the for the opponent of the Falcons, whoever it may be. Just tell them to go by twenty, and then just watch the onside kick.
0: Jump on the ball, people! Jump on
1: the <laughs> ball. That was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. Just a bunch of guys watching a ball roll. It. I've heard it compared to a putt. Just watching a putt trickle towards the hole, and and everybody just like in awe to see if it goes in or not. It was it was insane. It was insane. Like they. They're a good team, obviously, because good teams don't get up by 20 points or 25 points in the Super Bowl without being a good team. They just shoot themselves in the foot. Like what? What is that? Dan Quinn's defense has been found out. I've been saying this for years. His
0: defense got found out. People know how to beat it now. And if you look at the Super Bowl, we took our foot off the gas. We stopped running the football in the Super Bowl. And now I blame Kyle Shanahan for that. I also blame our defense for not making a single stop. I also blame our defense for not making a stop in the game on Sunday against the Cowboys on national television, a 20 to nothing lead in the first quarter. I knew the, I knew having field goals was going to come back and bite us in the butt. And it did, but still you're up 20 points in the first quarter. You've gotten four turn, three, four turnovers in the first quarter. And then we give up 450 passing yards to Dak Prescott of all people,
2: Mr. 40 million.
0: And, Yeah, the guy thinks he's worth a hundred million. You know, the Cowboys gave uh, were able to score on seven of eight drives after the first quarter, and we could not stop them. We have no secondary. Our defense is is just absolutely terrible. Dan Quinn needs to go. Fair, fair.
2: So to kind of play off of the that coach needs to go, I'm gonna go ahead and toot my own horn too. I mean. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, he guts to go. You have on your offensive line or your offense alone, you have, and I'm gonna leave Dak out because obviously some people don't think he's worth the 40 million. Um, even though they're down by 20 and lost, but eh. so you have Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Zeke Elliott, and Tony Pollard. We'll throw him in there somehow. That right there, you have all the options in the world, all the weapons in the world, do almost anything you want. But yet you run the ball up the middle, run the ball up the middle, make a two-yard pass to whoever is wide open. And sometimes that pass is not thrown correctly, but whatever. Once in a while, you get a fluke 58-yard pass to Amari Cooper, who almost drops it as well. But, no, he... I love this. I mean I love I'll, this I'll, so much. I'll go on a rant. I mean, I did call myself Stephen A. Smith the other day, so so that's just how I see it. Like you have all the weapons in the world, deep passes all night long if you wanted to, but you're throwing four or five yard dinks and dunks and running up the middle, you're not gonna get far.
1: Next week, Earl, I need you to have a Stephen A. Smith impersonation ready, okay? I, I need that. I need I need an Earl impersonation of Stephen A. Smith in my life. As somebody who can't stand either of your teams to just sit here and listen to both of you complain about the state of, uh, of both of them and what a crappy game it was and, and a crappy offense and a crappy defense. And when you're a Tampa Bay fan, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter if we're good or bad or not, because there's no expectations anymore. My expectations have been gone forever. So you know what we get Tom Brady. Awesome. We get Gronk. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, we'll see if he has anything left. And then, um, you know, uh, you expect um, some good things, but also you know it's Tampa Bay, and you know that we're cursed. So it's like, okay, um, oh, we won? Ah, great. We beat a Panthers team. That is absolutely terrible, it seems like. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I I just get to sit here and and smile and wave and laugh and just have a good old time while you guys – Complain about your teams. It's it's one of the few times that I get to do that in my life. Let me tell you.
2: So the teams that I'm ready to hop on the bandwagon with is, and don't be wrong. I'll be a Cowboys fan forever.
1: Please say Seattle. Nope. Please say Seattle.
2: No. In fact, I will move out of the NFC. I'm heading to the A.
1: That makes sense.
2: I am going to the freaking L.A. Chargers.
0: Okay. Chargers look good this weekend.
2: I mean, if you watch Justin Herbert this past weekend. Holy
0: cow! You look good. All right, guys. I know we're having fun talking NFL, but we're not an NFL podcast. We aren't. We're, we're here to talk United.
1: We're wherever we want to be.
0: <laughs> let's let's do it. Like, we spent 30 minutes before the show even started talking about you know everything else. So I, I think it's time that we actually get to uh, get to our show. You know what we're actually going to be talking about this week. So uh, there was a little bit of news coming out this week from the club from the USL. First and foremost, I know this is something that everyone has been waiting for. We have nets that are going to come in. They're going to go up and down. There is going to be no more netting that goes around the entire, well, I don't know if it's going to go around the entire field or not, but the fan interaction will be there. I know I'm excited about this. I'm sure you guys are as well. I mean, what was your initial reaction to Mayor Keller coming out, talking about the improvements being made to Isotopes Park while no one's there? First, uh, biggest one, of course, for us being the Nets.
1: Well, I'm just now hearing about this. So you're getting my my initial reaction, um, uh, my, my gut reaction. And that's fantastic. We were taking them down at the ma- end of the matches or at the matches last year anyways. So it's not going to change drastically uh, our experience. But I know the club has to be thankful for it since they're not going to have to shell out the what was it? $10,000 every time they put them up and take them down. So, um, I just, you say fan interaction and I just, part of it hurts my heart because I just go, when, when is that going to be? When are we actually going to have fans again? And when are we actually going to have interaction with people again? So, um, so while that is, is very good news, it also makes me slightly sad to think about, um, The fact that I don't know when that's going to actually happen.
2: So, yeah, so I'm in the same boat as Jacob. I obviously have not heard about it. I mean, I've been stuck behind a computer screen for the past eight hours, um, not counting this hour and a half, two hour podcast. (laughs) Um, So for me to be able to break away and see USL news or City of Albuquerque news at that, I mean, it's pretty far, few and far between. And so, yeah, so I'm excited for it the fact that it's able to go up and down the fact that the fan interaction in quotations will still be there, but the same to mimic Jacob when, I mean, even if we were to be able to have 50 fans, I mean, I'd be happy with that. Cause I'd probably be one of those 50 fans, but that's the thing is when,
0: yeah, that's the question surrounding a lot of sports right now is when, especially here in the U.S. When will that fan interaction be there? When will fans be allowed back in? We've seen the NFL start to allow fans back in. We've seen some USL clubs allowing fans. But as we know, here in the state of New Mexico, we can now participate in groups of 10. Unless, of course, you're at a church. And then you can have 40% capacity at a church. So maybe we need to find a church that's got big enough space for the club to go play there. I don't know. But... (laughs) It's tough. I think at this point, it will be next season before we see anything like that. I don't. I don't even think UNM is going to have fans this year because the Mountain West is coming back now. And that's been announced. But yeah, it, it's probably going to be next year, unfortunately. And even then, you know, with the projections uh, surrounding COVID nineteen will will COVID you know may rear its rear its head again? Will we see a second wave uh, that may last in the next year? Some sources are saying there won't even be a vaccine until next year, despite what is coming out of certain uh, people's mouths out of Washington D.C. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I just it'll be nice. I just I just know that from a fan perspective, what was being talked about last year was the the netting going all the way down the sidelines or all the way down the foul lines of the, of Isotopes Park, and having it be up full time, which would cut off you know, some of the some of the tradition that the clubs that the club does, you know, walking around the pitch at the end of the match, mm-hmm. uh, running up to the curse and the supporters and interacting with them. So having the retractable or the, the netting that goes that we can go up and down, you know, whatever, is just gonna it's gonna keep that. It's gonna keep that tradition alive. I think that's what's got most people excited about it. All right, moving right along. So next bit of news that came out for the first time since the beginning of the season, New Mexico United has a match postponed. Uh, the news came out, I think it was early, uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday it came out, that due to a covered person within the RGV uh, club, not necessarily a player, a covered person under their umbrella did test positive, so that match has been postponed. There has been no date set for that. Now, given how late it is in the season, there is some question as to whether or not that match will even possibly be played due to the fact that the playoffs are scheduled to start basically in a week and a half at this point. This isn't the only match that's been rescheduled for RGV. They do have two others that still have to be that were re, that were postponed as well. One of those has been set tentatively for August for I'm sorry September 30th. that is their match with Austin Bold FC. Now we we all know that United's <coughs> last regular season match is on the same day. with RGV still having now two additional matches to have to schedule, Number one, where do those fit in? Number two, does the United match even get played? And if it does, I don't see the USL moving the playoff schedule. You have to think about when does that match get played? You have to, you're concerned about player safety. Because if you got RGV playing, what, three matches in like 12 days, basically, or even a shorter time span, if you're trying to get all those matches in there, if they do potentially have playoff implications, like, maybe for us if we you know if we got a win could it possibly put us above el paso but yeah so what do you what do you, what do you guys what do you guys thoughts on those two questions there
2: so i would not be surprised if they just cancel it altogether um and grant maybe a forfeit for real for rgb wouldn't be surprised about that i know rgb hasn't won a single match this whole season so based off of that i could also see Good old Ron Patel, which I'm hoping he listens to this. Um, I can see him granting United a gift, to say. A gift in three points. With that three points possibly putting us over over El Paso. Is that realistic? Probably not. They'll probably just give RGB a forfeit and send us on our way. But the question is, when does that happen? So are they going to wait until El Paso plays their last match on October 4th? Are they going to... Just say, hey! As of Saturday, you haven't played this match, so take your three points and go. Yeah, are they going to try to reschedule it? I mean, I would love to see just a free three points, but I, for some reason, feel they will make us at least wait for that three points until at least October fourth.
1: Yeah, I think that um, I echo Earl's sentiments for the most part. I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if if the RGV season gets canceled. Um, if that means they forfeit everything, I think just to keep competitive balance since, especially since soccer is based on points from matches instead of win percentage or something like that, you know, if you play one last game, that's three points that you theoretically could get that you now can't. So I do think that, that that could happen. I I also just don't think it's going to matter in the race for first place. Um, I think uh, this Colorado Springs match, which we'll get to in just a few minutes, um, pretty much sunk our our chances um, of winning the group. Just because I don't I don't see El Paso slipping up, unless it's to us. I, I, I just don't see them them slipping up any other match. So we would have to go uh, if they don't slip any uh, any other time. We can't catch them, and even if they do slip up. Uh, say next Saturday or, or something like that, you know, we, we'd have to win out and while that's possible, if it's going to happen and, and really the biggest problem is I don't think El Paso loses again. So, so I could see us winning out, but you know, El Paso has us uh, this Saturday, which we'll talk about here in a little bit as well. And then they've got uh, switchbacks and then they've got rail monarchs. Now, both of those matches are on the road, And they are a Wednesday, Sunday slate. So they play Saturday, then they play Wednesday, then they play Sunday. So it is a little tight turnaround. They just are on a roll right now, Um, and and I don't know if if that's going to change anytime soon.
0: Yeah, you mentioned how tight the standings are, and I've been, you guys know, I've been sitting on the podcast before. Like I I keep, I've been keeping the spreadsheet. I've been playing around with different possible outcomes. And things definitely looked better before we lost to El Paso. It still looked good before we lost to Colorado last weekend. And yeah, at this point, if we win all three matches, El Paso has to drop points somewhere. And even then, if if they do get a draw and if they go 1-1-1 one, one, and one over the last three matches, it's going to come down to goal differential. I mean, that that's the long and short of it. Now I mean, if they lose one of those other two against either s l c or Colorado, then things get different. but again it, it, like you said, it, it, we have to win out. That's the clearest quote unquote scenario in order for us to secure first place and then group C, and it's going to be tough
1: yeah and and for the most part, if we if they go one one and one, like you said, and it comes down to goal differential, you know right now we're one goal behind them, but in that scenario, we would have to win the rest of our games. So that would at least be three more goals. If we only won them, if we only won each game by one point or one goal. So that puts us at eight and things would get crazy if that's the case. Cause we, I could see them winning their f- final match and one of their other matches by two and end up being two or well, by two or three and end up being right there with us. So a lot of different scenarios there. Um, I still think the most likely one is they win both of their other matches. And even if they lose to us, then that doesn't doesn't make up the four points that they're ahead of us right now, which, you know, it's, it's a bummer to be, uh, we took over first place this after the second match that we played them since the restart. So we spent a very, very large chunk of the season in first place and to see anybody come and take first place from us would be a bummer to have it be El Paso is really bad um especially since they had to beat us in one of those scenarios in order to get past us. So not very happy about that, but um it, it basically means that we get San Antonio right off the bat and wall that is not as ideal as, you know, playing Austin or Tulsa. Um I assume we were going to have to go through San Antonio eventually anyways, so might as well just get it over with. And honestly, I I, I the excitement of playing San Antonio. If we could beat San Antonio, um, assuming El Paso were beat Austin or Tulsa, then you know we would face them in the semifinals, the Western Conference semifinals. That is, and uh, that would be exciting.
2: So the way I'm looking at it is, would I love for United to win the the division? Yeah, I would. But is that going to mean home field advantage for us? No because we're in New Mexico and we still have the no-fan order. So regardless of what it was, either way, we're still traveling. So whether we face San Antonio or whether we face whoever the heck is on in second place in that division, either way, we're traveling to them. I don't see United renting out Colorado Springs again. I couldn't see them doing that, especially with no-fan income, revenue, to build that kind of buffer. Um, so I see us traveling to whatever team we would be playing, whether it would be Austin or San Antonio or whoever would be in line for us. Um so does winning the division at this point matter? Not really. I mean you're like I've said, you're gonna travel. Yeah. Does it give your fans hope for next season that you're still powerhouse? Sure, if you want to say that.
1: I could see us renting out Colorado Springs for a playoff match. I don't know if they would or not and I, I i think the real hesitation would be you know we wouldn't know a date and an op- opposition and that scenario until theoretically four days before we could play and i don't think that's enough time to get a plan worked out but um i, I could see the club wanting to get us get us some love with uh, or giving us giving us fans a chance to go see them again so um but at the same time, it it doesn't really matter. It's we we've played on the road all year. We're gonna continue to play on the road. We might as well just if we get second place, we gotta travel to San Antonio, which would be how it would set up anyways. And then unless El Paso were to get upset, because then we would play either Austin or FC Tulsa, and chances are we're gonna finish ahead of them in the standings. So that would have been a home game that we'd lose out on. So I don't know. It it sucks that we can't play anything here, but and it does kind of make winning the group less of a exciting thing. I really hope we can finish strong and get a couple wins under our belt and go into the playoffs with some momentum instead of kind of limping to the finish line uh, like we did last year, aside from the last match, of course.
0: Yeah, that's going to be the biggest thing for the club going forward, whether it's two or three matches between now and the end of the season. You've got to have momentum going into the playoffs. Especially if we're going to play a club like San Antonio, who San Antonio has just been destroying people this season. They really have been. They've been playing really well. Now, you know, our, our, our friend on the show, Harry, you know, Harry uh, over on Twitter, he, is, he has been having a number of different discussions saying how weak Group D is. And there's been some discussion about how weak Group C is as well. Um, and I guess you could make that argument that both groups are particularly weak. You know, yes, we had three clubs in Group C that did make the playoffs last season, but only two of them have showed up this year. I mean, Real did not show up. Uh, Colorado, of course, we did not expect to contend for the top of the group. And then over in Group D, you know, of course, it was basically San Antonio. And then looking at that group, Austin Bowl was in the the playoffs last year, if I remember correctly. FC Tulsa was not... Uh, or no, they were a Tulsa Roughnecks last year. I don't think they made playoffs.
1: No, they didn't. They started they started off hot, but they did not. They did not finish good. And then Oklahoma City, same thing. They they were in the playoffs at one point, and then they just bombed at the end of last season.
0: And then of course RGV, of course one of the worst clubs in the USL this season. I will give them a little bit of credit though. At least they don't have the same goal differential as
1: Portland Timbers two. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I give them at least a little bit of good news. So,
1: and I know Harry um, is talking about how bad the, the group is, which yes, that is, that is somewhat true, but you look at it and their goal differential is plus 18. So it's not like they are, you know, squeaking by on one goal games all throughout the season. You know, they're, they are taking it two teams. I, you know, they they've beat Oklahoma City three nil, and they beat them four nil. They've beat Tulsa two nil. They beat RGV three one. Um, so so they are. They also beat OKC Energy two nil. Um, just this past Saturday, uh, Oklahoma City is is also not a very good team apparently, but um, you know, they beat Real uh way back at the beginning of the season. But their only other out of, out of group match was the El Paso match and they did lose it. So you know there might be some validity there that they just are in a very easy easy group. Uh, either way, you, you can only play the teams that you are scheduled to play and they have been doing that and they've been taking care of them. so uh, I'm not gonna fault them too much for being in a, in a worse group.
0: Yeah, no matter your sport, no matter what your schedule is, you have to take care of business and San Antonio has certainly done that. Uh, the last thing that I have for tonight as far as like news is, I don't know if you guys saw it tonight. I don't know if it was on Facebook or not. I know someone told them they should, but the club is hinting at some sort of announcement for around 5 o'clock Mountain Time tomorrow. Uh, now, they did try to solicit guesses from at least Twitter. There were some, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but there were some uh, interesting responses. Chris Walker, of course, did say his, uh, his uh, guess was Troy as a first-time father. Someone once again guessed uh, a New Mexico United branded disco for making chicharons. Uh I, I'm from the Suncast Twitter did say Twitch watch-alongs with Tyler Ortega and Chris Hurst on the call for the rest of the season.
2: I mean, I wouldn't be offended
0: by that. Yeah, I wouldn't be offended by that either. I think that'd be a great idea. Um, of course, you know, we've had, what, two, two matches this season where the guys have been able to do the call for us? So, And Tyler responded to me saying, uh, say win. So it sounds like Tyler and Chris will be down for it. Uh, there's another guess. The club convinced Luis Suarez to join the club. RJ Montano, is it that David M. Carl is going to start as striker versus El Paso? Uh, let's see. Alicia from Seek and Strike did say a third kit, to which the club replied, nope. That's my guess. The club said no to that one. So unfortunately, no third kit this year. And there's another guess for a Baby Lesane or another home game. Uh, see, joke boat cruise packages, hosting a Halloween party that requires masks. Uh, and this one here, socially distanced, but all together watch party on the big screen at University Stadium. And then that person then followed up their own tweet with a reply that says, oh man, are y'all, all y'all are going to like this if it is what I've just been told. Now, this person, to the best of my knowledge, has no inside information, no connections whatsoever. So I'm not sure what they might have heard. But yeah, so I mean, what do you guys think? The last time they did this, this is when they sprung the the home match in
1: Colorado. I doubt it's a home match, um, unless it's the September 30th. And if it is a home match, it would be a "quote unquote" home match because they've already said that no games will be played in New Mexico. So I don't think it would be that. I. I'm 95% sure that coach Troy was not at the match on Saturday because he was his wife was having the baby. So that could be it. I also don't know if that would be something that they would be really trying to surprise us with because I feel like it was I don't think it was ever announced, but it was kind of like I knew that she was going to have a baby. He's not there. So something's going on. In that situation i would assume so i don't know i the only thing i could think of is is the the drive-in watch party at Boone fiesta park maybe or i really wish it was a third kit i really hope they just said no to a third kit just to throw us off because um I, I i just like to see the creative things that they do and i think we could have the coolest third kit in the league uh if they got a little crazy with it but other than that, I, I don't know. I really just don't know. Maybe, I, I, I don't, can they sign people right now? Maybe it's a new signing. The deadline
0: passed on the 18th. Yeah,
1: so, so it's not that. It's, I So I don't know. I don't know what it could be. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess.
2: I'm in the same boat. I'm hoping that they just played that nope comment down um, just to try to throw us off and flip the coin for something else. Uh, but I do know that Peter has been, quote-unquote, advertising a third kit pretty much all season long. He's been advocating for it. He's been pushing for one, um, hyping the fans up for a third for a third kit. So that could possibly be it. So don't be surprised if you see a third kit come out tomorrow at 5 o'clock. But other than that, I couldn't I couldn't even take a wildest guess. I mean, I could take a couple crazy ones. I might get some heat for it, but... So I'll stay off the hot water today. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's still my guess. I'm still going to stick with it is it's going to be a third kit?
0: All right, guys. Well, there you go. Um, those are our, that's our, that's our panel's best guesses as to what it's going to be. So if you're listening to this and you would like to respond, you can, absolutely can do that. Uh, reach out to us uh, on any social media, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. And we'll, if you do give us a response, we will get to that on next week's show. Uh, I mean, obviously we'll find out tomorrow what it is, but. Uh, we would love to see how close everyone is next week. So those are the only bits of news that I had. I didn't even bother to look at the players of the week, saves the league, anything like that. Yeah. And, and something that I did find out just uh, prior to the match last week is that there was a rules change this year. So we talked last week about the possibility of uh, Andrew Tenari or Juan Pablo Guzman getting a fifth card and being suspended for a match. That was changed this year. So we do want to correct that. That was changed this year. Um, five yellow cards is a fine only for players. Now if you get eight yellow cards, that that then becomes a suspension. So we do want, I just want to make sure we do have that out there for everyone. Uh, there was a rule, I honestly didn't even notice it. I, I completely didn't even because you know, to me, that's like that's a major change. Because as, to the best of my knowledge, every other league around the world, and at least all the major ones has that rule fifth card you're done you're suspended for a match. So that was a huge change I didn't know about. I know it was getting talked about on on the call last week. Uh during the match and even before. Yeah, it's a welcome change and so we we most likely won't have to worry about that anymore this season as far as guys getting suspended. That was something we dealt with a lot last year with guys getting getting suspended, especially Kevon. so um glad to see that no one's gonna be gone at any point this year.
1: I hadn't heard about that. I I you brought it up brought it to our attention uh before the match this weekend and that's probably the best news we got all weekend honestly.
2: (laughs) Yeah I didn't hear about it until you broke the news to us, hey by the way, here's a news new rule change. Um so am I glad to hear about it. Yeah, because then Andrew Tenari could probably play a whole season without any kind of suspension. I mean I do believe he went a whole match correct me if I'm wrong, a whole match was out of yellow card this week.
1: <laughs> he did.
0: Well, I mean, to be fair to Andrew, he's gone, you know, stretches. He actually had a three-match stretch at one point where he didn't get a card. Uh, if he had gone one more, obviously one would have been rescinded. But yeah, with the rule change, it definitely has changed. I want to say that rule change was done prior to the season, prior to COVID, uh, you, know, rearing, you know, doing what it did. I could be wrong, but as far as I know, those rule changes were set in place prior to anything happening. So, uh, and another thing I do want to bring up, as we're, we're going kind of switching gears here a little bit, getting into our recap of Saturday's match, uh, home away from home, New Mexico United lost by a final score of two to one up in Colorado. The first time that switchbacks have beaten New Mexico United in, I think it's what seven matches, eight matches played together. Um, so, yeah, just. Colorado, I mean, they've looked better these past few weeks we We kind of talked about it. we've said that they they've been growing as a the club. they're very young uh they they had some issues you know finding goals. They found enough on Saturday now I mean we peppered their goal multiple times in the second half. we just couldn't get anything in um, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts uh, on the match Saturday?
2: My thoughts is it sucks. I mean, I'm put it plain out and simple. It sucks. The fact that 800 and something odd fans drove out five hours to watch the team and it turned out to be a loss. I mean, yeah, that sucks. Um, do I think do I think laid down? By no means. I think we just got outplayed.
1: I couldn't disagree more. I feel like we were the better team, aside from the two goals. Other than that, it, it was kind of similar to the El Paso match. Like I I watched it and I go after the match was over, I was like, how did we lose that match? I just don't understand it. All right. If you look at the stats, they kind of backed me up here. You know, we let in possession, we let in duels, we let in aerial duels, we had we had less corners, but other than that, we we created more chances, we had more shots, we had more shots on target by a lot more, not just a little bit, by a lot more, we just could not break through. Uh, so aside from finishing, um, I, I thought we controlled the match basically beginning to end um, aside from the one penalty. And then, I mean, even the, their shot coming out of halftime, like it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was sloppy defense. It was just kind of the way the ball bounced. they, they were able to get a good shot off and and executed the shot well and it and it went to the back of the net. I rewatched the first half two nights ago, Sunday night, and was just baffled that we we only scored once. I couldn't comprehend it. So I don't I don't think we got outplayed like at all. I I think we just got hurt by luck. I, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm I'm looking at it through ro- rose-colored glasses, but I, I've, I really just felt like we dominated them basically for 70 of the 90 minutes. And then the other 20 minutes, we played them basically even. Um, maybe you do 60-30 there. Um, maybe 60 minutes we dominated it, 30 minutes it was even. And they just, you know, we gave up, gave up a penalty that I still think was a penalty. I know we talked about it during the match. Um that you guys or at least Earl thought it was a little soft, but I, I still feel like Cody clipped him just enough. But it, it was just bad luck in, in that instance to an extent and definitely for their second goal. I still I'm still confused as to how we lost it. Am I crazy? Is Earl right? What did you see? Cause cause I'm I'm baffled by this match still.
0: Looking at this match, there were times where Colorado did outplay us. If you look at how they came firing out in the first half. They were moving around, they were getting into space, they were making runs, and that's what happened on that penalty. They made a run in, in behind our line with a fantastic ball over the top. Now, I don't think Cody clipped him until after he played the ball to his right. Now, if Cody clipped him, it was very, very minimal contact. But from what I saw, and I'm just I just watched the replay again. He played the ball to his right because they had another player coming in on their on that right side of the box there. and so he played it over. yes, Cody Dove to try to stop it, but he he got him after the fact like you 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 you, don't, you can't call a you don't call a penalty on a player if they take down the shooter after the shot is gone. We've seen that time and time again where someone will go down in the box, but a penalty doesn't call get called because the contact happens after the ball is played. So in this case, I think the referee got it wrong. I don't think it should have been a penalty. I think, you know, you you let play continue there. There's no reason to stop that chance. And then when it comes to the way that we played, if you look at, especially in the second half, again, we we had 10 shots in the second half. Only two, I believe two or three of them were on target in the second half. That's not good enough. We kept seeing shots going wide, going over the bar, Guys, not getting you know the great con- the the best contact that they needed, and I think that re- that's really what did us in there in the second half. The fact that we couldn't come back, we weren't aware enough again coming out of the break. And then United, you know, we've shown time and time again that we cannot that we do not play well from behind. We never have. And you know, again, into the end of the first half, beginning of the second half, we know that those are t- two times like the beginning end of the half where United does not play well for whatever reason.
1: By your call on the penalty, um, we probably shouldn't have given that up. So if we don't give that up, we go into halftime up 1-0. So a bad referee call, uh, a poor decision by Cody, whatever you want to call it, that led to their first goal. I still stand that their second goal was created out of nothing and was just a bad bounce of the ball that fell to a guy that maybe he should have been marked, but the action was all on the right, on the near side. And then it bounced to the middle. He came out of nowhere, put his laces on it and scored. Um, I will say, I, I am baffled that we lost. And you said that we had 10 shots in the second half and only two of them on target. If that, if those numbers are cor- are correct, that means we had eight shots in the first half and five were on target yeah. and we scored once. Yeah. And I think the first half is what boggles my mind so much is that I I feel like we should have, even if we let them score that penalty, that should have made it two or three to one, not one to one. Uh, And then we're in a much better shape coming into the second half. I will say that they did disappoint me. Once we got down, there was zero urgency and until like the last seven or eight minutes, maybe which is just not enough time the the urgency needs to start from the moment you go down. Um, And I can't help, but wonder if winning the group is just not a priority or if it was because Lesane wasn't there. If that played into their lack of urgency in the second half, I'm more lean towards the latter, the former than the latter, because we've seen us go down before and we've seen Troy be there and we've still seen lack of urgency in those situations. Mm -hmm so i think that they could be opting for you know a little more taking it easy on these next three matches now that we've got the playoff spot locked up and they said you know what we're not going to have any home matches anyways so what does it matter if we get first place we're probably going to have to play san antonio or el paso again anyways so let's just not show anything not bust our butts uh, trying to get three points when when we already know we're in the playoffs. So if that's the case, okay. I didn't think it would be the case in front of your home fans for the one and only time that you're going to be in front of home fans this year. But maybe they gave up that goal and they were just like, you know what, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out, but we know we're in the playoffs. So I don't know. If you feel like
0: it was one of those things where all right, we're, we're down, we're already in the playoffs, positioning doesn't matter. We're gonna to try to take it easy, get you know, just get through the match, make sure everyone's healthy. Why in that case did we not substitute until almost the 75th minute? And then at that point, you bring on Daniel Bruce, Ryan Williams, and Sam Hamilton within a stretch of five minutes. If you're gonna bring on those three guys and and your and your goal is to maintain health through the through the finale of the season, why not bring off Devin? Why not bring off Bees? Why not bring off the guys who are, you know, the the box to box guys that are doing the most effort out there? If we're just trying to stay healthy.
1: Well, yeah, that, and we didn't use all five of our subs for the first time this year. So
0: that's a, that's the fourth time this year we have not used all five subs. Prior, to, oh, it's the fourth time. Okay. Prior to this match, we had used Troy had used ninety four percent of avail of his available subs this year opposing clubs were at only 74%. Yeah.
1: So I don't know if, if that was cause cause to me, it seemed like the going easy was the player's decision, whether that came from a meeting beforehand or not, or talk at halftime or whatever. I don't know. Um, so it might've just been the players saying, you know what, whatever. um, we're not going to hurt ourselves. And so maybe the sitting standing coach was wanting to win and the players just weren't on the same page and weren't giving it at their all. I don't know. I thought we should have had subs earlier if we really wanted to win. I thought around the 60th minute, you'd see a couple subs, but it it was just a strange game. And now two out of the last three games, I have said that uh, because the other El Paso game, the last El Paso game I thought was just a strange game. And, I don't like when we start having a habit of strange games like we did through most of last season. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the plan was for this match. I don't know why it ended up being how it did. I just, I'm just telling you what I saw during the match. And that was a team that didn't look like they cared if they won first place.
2: So, yeah, so I see it the same way. Um, but the way I see it is it comes from the top. I mean, If Troy were to see Devin meandering out there, he's going to sub him out. If Troy were to see freaking Bees meandering out there again, he'd sub him out. Um, I think it was kind of a rookie mistake with Zach Prince not making those subs, not uh, adding the fire, and then Zach Prince picking up that yellow. I don't know what he said. I don't know what he did.
1: Oh, I forgot about that.
2: But – I'm pretty sure that's the first time that a United coach even on the bench has got a yellow. So yeah, so that's how I see it is there wasn't the firepower closer to the end of the match. Um coming out of the second half we went down to whatever down two one. Um there wasn't the will to even come back because at that point he's he's defeated.
1: Yeah, and that's what you know worries me going into playoffs if if we get down in a playoff match i i I gotta say my confidence is is not very high um in us being able to come back uh because last year was the same thing you know we if we got down it was hard for us to be able to light a fire under ourselves and 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 get back into the match so i I would love to have seen some urgency there because i they talk about it in basketball a lot in the NBA with these teams and you look at like a team like the Clippers who have great players and great talent um and they would try to flip a switch and they take off a couple man or a couple games and then they'd try to flip a switch and and take off and you saw them get kicked out of the playoffs because you know they went up 3-1 on the Nuggets and couldn't flip that switch in any of the next few games after taking one off um And we can't seem to flip that switch. We can't seem to find another gear if we get down. And the teams that win championships and go deep in the playoffs have that switch because in the playoffs you're playing the best of the best and it's not going to be a team like Real Monarchs that you can come out and get an early goal against and maybe add on another and just cruise to a victory. They're going to be fighting their butts off all match, the opposing team is. So even if you get up... You gotta stay on it. You gotta stay on that you gotta step on their neck, you know. And and I'm just not seeing that from this team right now. And we've got three, possibly three, possibly two, depending on what happens with RGV. But, you know, we've got El Paso again Saturday. And even though we can't win the group, um, unless they falter, you can't play like I assume that they're not gonna falter. You gotta go out and and you gotta try to just take it to them and get that three points and let the, whatever else happens happen because I need to see that other gear. I, I, I understand it's been a long season. I understand they played all their matches on the road. I understand that, um, you know, they haven't brought anybody else in through this season and, you know, we've lost some key players along the way. So we're not playing with a full deck, so to speak. And I understand all this stuff and, and it's a great excuse, but, the championship winnings teams don't make excuses. They don't let that be an excuse. They use it as a reason to push harder and, and fight and get through it. And I want to see that from this team. I, I believe we have the talent and the heart to do that. I just need to see it. And I, I know I sound a little bit negative, uh, especially for me um, right now, but I, as a sports avid sports watcher of all sports, um, for my whole life, except for soccer, I haven't watched my whole life. But, you know, I I know a a team that has that it factor when I see it. And right now we don't have that it factor. And I desperately want to see that from us.
0: What do you guys think it is about Aiden Daniels here in the last two matches that we just haven't been able to find an answer for him? I look at the second goal from Saturday and Aiden just runs across the 18 yard box. No one steps up, no one tries to to step in and get the ball. He basically runs between five guys. And yes, he does lose control of the ball. It goes over to Ferreira, but he just just no one steps in. He like he runs but behind Ryan and Juan Pablo in front of, you know, you know we got Austin chasing him from behind. What happens here? I like, what do you, what do we think the breakdown was on this play that that allowed Aiden Daniels to get that much space to himself with no one attacking him? Well, it's
2: easy. He's he's sneaky fast. I mean, he's also sneaky good. I mean, if you look at two times he's scored on us, it's been from outside the box on a crazy shot that shouldn't have even went in. Um, but that's simple. It's, he's sneaky fast and sneaky good. And when you combine the both, I mean, that's what you get. A team that kind of was laying back, trying to take it easy. Aiden Daniels saw that, decided to use his skill and his speed against it, and, well, the rest is history.
1: Yeah, I'm not even sure you can call him sneaky anymore. Like, I think he's just flat-out good um, and <laughs> and flat-out fast. Like, he it's not just us that have had a problem with him the last several matches for Colorado Springs, so he's just an impressive player and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he, he ends up on a team, either a better team in the USL or a, an MLS squad or something like that next year. Um, he's, he's been that impressive for me anyways. Um, this whole season, really, I want to see what he does there. He's, you know, he's, he's got three goals on the season, so he's not, um, you know, lighting the world on fire there. Um, he's only got one assist. I yeah. Uh but he he's second on the team in shots. He's first on the team in chances created by quite a bit. To me, he's by far their best player, their most impactful player. Um is a very good player in his own right. Um, but he plays a position that is basically he just is asked to score. Um and I don't see him doing a whole lot other than that. Whereas, uh, Daniels is just, he's, he's their version of we basically he's all over the place. He's fast. He's smart. Uh, he's got a killer shot from outside the box that we've seen twice, three times, almost, uh, honestly, because he, he had in that first match he scored, but that was the second shot that he had from out there. His first one hit the post, um, a few minutes earlier than that. So, so he's, he's, he's just kind of an all around offensively talented player that, that is definitely putting the USL on notice as far as, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep an eye on him if he is back with them next year. So I, I I really just think it's his talent. That is why we, we have a hard time with him and, and it could be some of the, Oh, it's switchbacks, you know, um, we don't need to worry about them. We, we have their number, this and the other. And, you know, it it that's what it could be, is just he we we don't put enough time in coming up with a game plan against them because we think we're better than them, uh and, and are gonna beat them no matter what, because that's what we did for so many matches in a row. But I, I truly just believe that it's his talent level is is just kinda above and beyond what a lot of these other teams have.
2: And also do you think it could be that United underestimates his his skill? I mean, he has so you mentioned he has 3 goals on the season. 2 of those are against United. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I could see that for the first match that we played against them. Um when we first started the restart, I could see it then. Uh at this point, you know, coming into this match on Saturday, you have to have if if the broadcasters have him as the man to watch for the other team, then you have to assume that the coaching staff is keyed in on that too. Um, and you have to assume that our players are keyed in on that, that, hey, you know, this guy's played really good against us. He's played really good this year. So if if that is the case, then we are screwed because we should be scouting that way better and he should he should never go under the radar when it's the fourth time we've played them he scored two goals on us and he's played his butt off in other ways against us that that should never be the case going into that fourth match so i don't think that's the case i hope it's not the case because if that's the case we are in some serious trouble why do you think do you think it's just he's super talented or is there a a? Something else that we're missing there, Seth, that that you think the the deal is with him there.
0: I don't necessarily think he is more talented than any of our players. I think the problem that we're seeing, and and you mentioned you know the, the broadcasters having Aiden Daniels as a player to watch, I had him as my player to watch this week. Mm. If you check out our preview, I think I had him in both my articles right. this weekend, um you know, to to watch for him. But one of the issues that we've had and it's something that we've seen in the past is we're not closing down efficiently. We're not closing down on guys at the edge of the box, which is what we've seen happen with Aiden Daniels in the past two matches. So I don't necessarily think it's it's that he's better than anybody. Yes, he is talented. Yes, he has a, he has a good shot. He's good from outside the box. But when you give anybody the amount of space that we've given him, they're going to do the same thing. Look at what Bees does from outside the box. Look at what Santi did last year from outside the box. If you gave Santi, you know, even a yard and a half of space, or sometimes you know, maybe not even a yard. If you give Santi guys like that, guys of that caliber, enough room, they're gonna make you pay, no matter where they're at. And so, I think that's one area that we really have to improve upon. If we're gonna win out, and these are the remaining two or three matches or whatever it is, we've got to close down on guys. We cannot be afraid to engage. Like honestly, like I keep, I've watched the replay of that goal about six times here just tonight, and I'm looking at it, and like you see, Rush kind of step up, but he stops. He doesn't fully go in and try to get the ball. He's kind of backs off. Of that Ryan could have dropped back. Juan Pablo could have dropped back. Both of them two have gotten. In the, in the in the path of Aiden Daniels as he was cutting across the box. Now, typically, we don't have guys that are afraid to step in and do that. Now, maybe they're worried about giving away a free kick in that area, which I can kind of understand, but with how far ahead of him that, he ate, that Daniels is playing the ball, there's no reason that someone couldn't have done that, and you can't, we cannot be afraid to step in and make plays like that. We can't. And so I think that's going to be absolutely key going forward. We have to make those plays make those tough decisions yes, we may end up giving up a a free kick at some point, but you you've got to step in and at least attempt to make that play on the ball you cannot give guys like that enough time and space to make those shots um and that's something that El Paso does extremely well they shoot well from distance then if you give them enough space they will shoot the ball and they're very good at what they do
2: I'm trying to look what was our our formation was it a fourth, a four, four, three, or four, three, four, or what? What were we playing? Three, four, three. We had three on the back, so could it be that we were already tired at that? Point? I mean, you're running with three people. Um, could it be that we were just that tired working with only three in the back?
1: Well, I see, I see that being, and I think Seth was, was speaking to it being an issue, not only just this match, but. It's something that we struggle with as a whole, like, all the time. Um, like, if you look at Aiden's Aiden's goal in the first match that we played against them, um, you know, that was in the first half. Uh, so it, it, And it was the first game back after being um, off for four months or three months, whatever it was. So you could say it was rusty then, but I couldn't imagine the guys actually being tired then. Um, but it is something that we've struggled with not only this year but even last year some and and I don't know why that is but i I'll kind of counter um, Seth's argument just a bit with you know if if that is something that we struggle with all the time, there really hasn't been a player that has taken advantage of it like Aiden Daniels has So I still stand by Aiden Daniels his talent has just been, better than anything that we we've not anything but better than a lot of the players that we have faced um in our other matches against other teams um el paso is a very talented group obviously but um you know he he has just impressed me so while yes the not stepping up is a problem uh nobody has been able to take advantage of it quite like hayden daniels does and i think that speaks to his talent um the not stepping up and the set pieces. Um, and, and honestly, I don't think we've really given up very many goals from set pieces recently, but I still, still get nervous, uh, every time we give up a corner or, or a set piece from a dangerous spot. So those are definitely two things that we need to improve. And, and especially coming up on Saturday with this El Paso team that is just kind of on a tear right now. Um, they've got beasts up there like Salgado, um, or, or as I like to call him, I have a Mister. I have a very punchable face. Um, they they've got they've got guys like him and and uh, Gomez and uh, whoever else you want to throw up there. The, this Mecca King guy that came out of nowhere and has been one of the signings that has really kind of sparked this this hot streak that they have. You know, he he comes up and and gets his head on balls on set pieces. You know, Sagado is good at both delivering them and being on the receiving end of them. So it, it is definitely those two areas of issues that we have definitely we'll have to take a look at before we go into this Saturday match, which, which I think is we basically wrapped up the Colorado Springs match as best we could. You know, it, it, it was a disappointing result. Uh, yeah. Showed a huge lack of urgency in the second half after we got down by a goal. Um, I'm still not sure how we were down by a goal after the first half that we had. Other than that, I don't know really what else we can say about it. Was there anything else you guys uh, wanted to add about the the Colorado Springs match before we move on to this El Paso match? Earl's shaking his head, so I got nothing there. Seth, anything?
0: No, nothing really on that. Uh, I do want. I just do want to touch on. You know, we, we're talking about the formation, the three four three. It's something we've played a lot of this season compared to last year. And within Troy's three four three, what happens is like you see Josh Suggs line up, typically line up, you know, as a left mid or a left wing back, or and then you have, you know, Najem or somebody on the right, same thing, you know, as a right wing back. And what they do, what they'll do is they'll drop back in defense. So we basically we we transition from like a, a three four three to like a five uh a five three, you know, two one basically at times. And so with those five at the back, they then become much more compacted in the, in the middle of the pitch and guys aren't able to get through. But even with that, you, you know your, your midfielders have to drop back and play defense as well. And that's an area where I don't think that someone like Ryan Williams is as good at as Andrew Tenari is. And so I think that might be one of the issues that we, that we saw. But no matter how you look at it, you, know, you can't let someone just basically run a, straight across the pitch. Yeah, you know, with the set pieces, you know, we definitely had some scary moments, and then when it came to the zonal marking a few weeks ago, but I think for the most part, we've done a much better job this year on set pieces than we did all of last year.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that. I I think a lot of that is Kalen uh, being there as an anchor um, and and a coach kind of on the field for those. But uh, like you said, as far as the three four three goes, you know, you're right that. You know, we, we have Suggs and, and in this case it was Najem dropping back, um, and adding to that back line, but we established that that's not really our problem. The back line not really the problem. The problem is the space between the back line and the midfielders that is not getting taken care of right there at the edge of the box. And you know, that, this that second goal was scored when Ryan Williams was still on the bench. So it was Tenari and Guzman who are usually really good about that, um, and i just i don't know i also felt like we didn't we didn't get up and press like we we did earlier in the year i feel like as the season goes on we kind of move that front line of our defense when they have possession back and back and back and back and and that's kind of disappointing to me but it it also could be that maybe we're just not wanting to exert that much energy this late in the season before the playoffs and that you know comes san antonio we'll see that that high press again, um, and try to cause problems with it. Because if you were, if you think about it, that was, that was how we scored several goals, um, earlier in the, like the four or five matches ago. Uh, and before that, uh, the one of the ones that comes to mind is the first one against El Paso in the, um, I think it was the first match that we played El Paso since the restart. Um, they just committed a silly turnover because that high press. And um, I'd have to look back and really study tape and, and see, but maybe, maybe teams were just figuring out and that's why we haven't been doing it. I'm not sure, but I would like to see it implemented. Um, if not in this El, Paco, El Paso match this weekend, then for sure the, the playoff match, whether it's San Antonio or Tulsa or whoever it's against. So um, I, I'll, I'll agree with that, that sentiment about the, the back line and, and set pieces being a lot better this year, but let's, let's talk about this El Paso match just a little bit. We're not going to really break down too many of the X's and O's and players to watch and, and stuff like that. You know, that's the fourth time playing this team this year, uh, we played them twice last year. They have similar guys this year as last year. Um, they play a similar style as last year. You know, so we know this team very well, uh, is basically what I'm getting at. Um, and we've kind of already touched on what some keys were uh, with our weaknesses and stuff there on the defensive side of the ball. Is there anything out there on the offensive side of the ball that, that you want to see differently? I, I mean, we just talked about the first half of this Colorado Springs match being, you know, eight shots and five of them on target, possibly if those numbers that we had earlier are correct, you know, that, and only one of those going in, um, do you guys think it's just tired legs that can't finish or, or what do we need to do in this match to score more than it seems like two has been what we score the most often. And so what do we have to do to get over that two goal hump, uh, Earl?
2: Just keep firing. I mean, right now it's pretty much a win or go home situation. I mean, you win and you're looking at, a good first place spot, um, you lose and you pretty much have sealed your second place spot. The way I would look at it, and if I was Coach Troy talking to the guys, I would tell them, "You have an opening fire. You you see a, a, a maybe even a chance, fire it." I'd be telling Mondo, "Go for that ten. Go for your go for the four that you need to get 10. Um, I'd be telling Devin to be pushing the the. Be pushing the goalkeeper like you've been doing, but this time actually looking to score off of it, not just trying to confuse him and frustrate him a little bit. Another thing that we would need to do is come out of the second half like we started the first. I mean, we start the first half ready to score ten goals at once. We come out the second half looking for a siesta and the and the pina colada that we left in the locker room. We gotta leave that behind and just go to
1: finish. Seth
0: what do you think? We have to be more creative on offense. What happened Saturday was frantic. There was no real build up to it at times, and I feel like when we get that way, we're not as efficient. We don't get as many shots on target. We don't create space. We don't create runs. And I think if we can get those, if we can get runs for for bees, runs for Mondo, runs for even for Dev, you know, play the ball over the top. Dev holds it up. You get bees and Mondo coming down one of the sides or down through the middle. You're going to create opportunities for for the rest of the, for these guys to get in on goal. We've seen it happen all season long, and that's something that we have to do against El Paso. We've got to create chances. We can't just you know. Randomly shoot the ball from twenty five yards. We can't shoot for trying. We can't try to go from awkward angles inside the inside the eighteen yard box. We've got to get good looks. We've got to get these guys an opportunity to play off the play on the shoulder of the of the defenders and get the ball over the top and into them. By doing that, am I putting by putting pressure on Ketterer often and and uh, and and early? He's gonna make mistakes. We've seen Ketterer make mistakes. We know that El Paso is not necessarily great at playing out of the back, especially when we press. So if we can do those things, put pressure on Ketterer, both in the you know, as an attacking as an attacking option, and with that press, try to slow down their buildup, he's gonna make mistakes.
1: So, Seth, do you think the team tries to win this match? Not I know, I know that they don't actively try to lose, but are you gonna see them pull out all the stops to try to win this or is it going to be oh, yeah. similar to, to the Colorado Springs match where we just don't see the urgency and don't see, don't see the tactics uh, as far as subs are concerned and whatnot. Uh, Cause I, I might've convinced myself that they're just playing for second place now. I don't know.
0: No, they're going to come out. They're going to come out. I think you're going to come out with a, and, and with a desire to win this match, you know, most folks consider this one. The rivalry. Now, I, I disagree with that, but I think that plays in the players' perspectives in, in this match as well. That El Paso is the rivalry that, that 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 everyone plays for. Now, I think between them and Phoenix, those are the two that are the easiest to get up for week in and week out. But yeah, you want to beat El Paso. We definitely don't want to go in and drop more points to them. It's uh, it's a good series. And if you've got a chance to avoid San Antonio, then you want to, you want to take that. You don't, you definitely don't want to play for a second, you know, unless you're still you know trying to fight your way into it. We're in the playoffs. There's no reason to try to play for a second. right?
1: Yeah. I, I, um, I hear all those points. I, I understand them. I, I want to see them come out and, and go for it. And I think they will. Deep down, I think they will. Uh, just because it's not the rivalry, but it is still a rivalry. There is, there is definitely disdain uh, between the players on the pitch for these two clubs. I mean, we saw last year with Santi and Yuma getting red cards. We saw um, Devin just Allen Iverson esque step over a dude uh, as he was down on the on the pitch. Um, you you see the chippiness. You see. You see what it meant to El Paso to beat us the last time. You saw the emotion that they had uh, when they scored that third goal late in the match. Um, and, And you can't tell me that just from a competitive standpoint to see that happen and see them celebrate that it didn't light a fire under us a little bit. So I do think that they will come out. I also think that if we get down a goal early in the first half or early in the second half or uh, midway through the second half or we're down two in the second half at any point, I think you could see us pack it in and not try to come back and maybe put some subs in early that um, protect our, our starters. I, I could see that happening. I personally think a draw is the most likely outcome here, but I don't like to predict draws. Predicting a draw is, is boring. Uh, I know I did it. Uh, a couple weeks or yeah, a couple weeks ago in the Real Monarchs match, um, and I was wrong and I hated myself for doing it. So, so I'm not going to predict a draw. I'm going to predict a 2-1 win for us. Um, that seems to be the scoreline that we have the most of. Uh, I don't think we can shut this team out. Um, they have a lot of talent, and you know we've been giving up some goals. We gave up some goals to them last time, and we gave up some goals this past week. So. Uh, the Monarchs match where we shut them out at this point, I'm beginning to think the Monarchs just don't exist this year. Um, cause we've shut them out twice now, twice, three times, twice, twice. Um, and, and I just, I don't, I don't feel anything from them. So I'm not going to put too much stock into a clean sheet against them. Um, so I, I don't think we shut them out. I think it's, I think it's two, one or three, two, um, so, so I'm going to go with 2-1 there and and hope that we eke out that one goal victory. What do you think, Earl? Uh,
2: I'm in the same boat, 2-1. And I'll take another step, and I'll tell you who I think is going to score, which you're going to hate me, by the way.
1: You have my attention.
2: So who well, I have scored for United, I have Dev scoring, and I have Mondo scoring. Okay. Pretty much two or two scorers on the team besides bees. Um for the one else-
0: I thought you were going to yeah, say own goal.
1: That's I wasn't sure what you were going with there. But I have a feeling so- Salgado for El Paso. Yeah, I mean it's hard mm-hmm. it's hard not to predict that. The dude is a is a beast of a guy up front there and he's he's a heck of a player even if he has a punchable face.
2: But here's what makes it worse. Uh,
1: what, why is that have to be worse?
2: I'm not calling him on a clean goal. I I'm I'm calling him on a stupid penalty given up by some kind of bull crap call. Emotions are gonna get high. Cody's gonna get get fired up a little bit. He's gonna do some kind of, something stupid or Salid's gonna get something stupid and that's gonna be where we give up our one is on a PK with Salgado scoring it.
1: Yeah, that is that is annoying. I don't like that at all. Uh in fact, I'm, I don't like it so much that we're just going to go to Seth. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely not going to be a clean sheet for either side in this match. It's going to be physical. I, I don't think it reaches the physicality that we saw last year, though, which is honestly, in a way, kind of disappointing because I want to see these guys really get in there and scrap and go at it and give El Paso a run for their money, which I think is going to happen no matter, you know, matter what. I think we're going to give them a run for their money either way, but... You can't back away. You can't be afraid mm-hmm. to get in there and make challenges and really take it to El Paso. I think we walk away with the win, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, it's going to be a real scrappy match. Uh, 3-2, and we'll get, it's going to be just like a late winner. It's not going to be like up 3-1 and they then they come back or something like that. Uh, make it 3-2 late. It's going to be going to go 2-2 down to like the 85th minute or something, and then we'll get a winner.
1: Yeah. I think we're all kind of on the same page then it's going to be, it's going to be hard fought. It's going to be tough. Um, I would, I'd love to see us get this three points. Um, Even if it doesn't end up mattering in the long run about getting first place or not, I, I, I just, I tell you what El Paso fans, they beat us the first time and the El Paso fans acted like they had just won the championship. And, and I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see it at all. I'd, I want to see us take care of business. I want to see us win. And then I want to see our fans go, yeah, we won uh, because we were supposed to um, and not post all this stuff about, Oh, Oh, look at us now. Look at us. Oh, we're no, we're no longer little brother. Uh, Yes, you still are. Uh, Little brothers win every once in a while. Relax. Um, So I'm hoping that that's the case. Uh, I think there's a pretty good shot that it is the case. Uh, It just all comes down to the intensity that United comes out with um, more so in the second half than the first half. Our first halves have been good. Um, Just can we keep that up through the second half, or do you see them kind of set off or take a little bit off on the first half so that they have the energy to get up for the second half? Uh, It's going to be interesting. Uh, You know, we're we're right there in it. We were going to record Thursday night as well um, when we thought that there was going to be an RGV match, but with that being postponed, um, We just have the one El Paso match To look forward to for now uh, And and hopefully it's Maybe it's kind of a blessing That this Wednesday match got postponed Because um, If we were just lacking energy Because we've been on the road and, and going so hard Then we need a full week off Because it was going to be hard to go Wednesday, Saturday um, With the schedule going all over the place So hopefully We can Recoup this week, uh, get that bad taste out of mouth out of Colorado or from Colorado, uh, gear up for this El Paso match, and, and really just take it to our, our little brothers from down south. Uh, I was this close to going to this match. Um, I got the okay from the wife. We've got the money. I was going to drive down there right before the match, basically, watch the match and drive back um, by myself, essentially. Uh, since you guys couldn't go and, uh, I mean, we talked about it, um, you know, in Texas is a high risk state, um, according to the, our governor anyways, so you're supposed to still quarantine. Um, I don't have, I I think I could have got away with it is what I'm saying. Um, but at the end of the day, I just chose not to go. Didn't want to make the trip by myself. Um, I really wanted to see a match in person this year. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So um, you know, we'll just have to watch uh, on ESPN Plus like always and, and hope that we can get the outcome that we we want. So with that, guys, um, uh, we'll start with Seth, and then we'll go to Earl. Any final thoughts about uh, the season as a whole, this match coming up, the last match, um, anything at all there, Seth?
0: I just want to leave you guys with this. Today is today was National Voter Registration Day. If you did not register to vote, you're missing out. Do your civic duty. Go register to vote for the next election cycle. It is absolutely important. No matter what your political affiliation is, this is the future of our country. So uh, I believe you may still have some time tonight. If you go online and you're watching us tonight, you can go to vote.org to find out your voter registration status. And if you're not registered, you can. I believe you can still register through midnight tonight. I Don't fact check me on that. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But no matter what, no matter what the case is, you can is, register, for, register for,
1: I think it's the 5th of October still, uh, that you can register and still be eligible to vote in this one. Um, the deadline is, I don't believe the deadline is today. Um because I, I actually, I registered to vote today before I knew today was National Register to Vote Day or whatever it was, uh, which was kind of funny because we moved, so had to re-register for a different area and and whatnot. But when I went through everything at the end, it said uh, for those that register between or after the between the eighth and the tenth of of October, I believe it was, then you. Um, then your process yours won't be processed until after November. So, um, in fact, I have it right here. Uh, if you're submitting a voter registration application between October 7th, 2020 and November 8th of 2020, your voter registration will be processed starting on November 9th. So you have until the 6th of October, it looks like to vote here in or to register to vote here in New Mexico. And, um, like Seth said, I, I strongly urge that you do as well. Uh, Earl,
2: so that makes three of us because obviously, if you look at the Facebook post. Um, I do believe I put it like at six thirty this morning, hyping up National Voter Day. Um, obviously, with my brother being the mayor of a small town here, um, not going to mention the small town, but they do have a balloon rally coming up next month sometime. Um, Jacob, hope to see you there. Maybe
1: I didn't. I I was unaware of this. Uh, is my cousin? the balloon master again do you know
2: i have no idea what's going on i would assume so i I know
1: that after the last one that they had they talked about it and and really thought it went well and wanted to do it again so um i'll have to get with my my cousin and see see what's going on there
2: maybe we could do something live out there off of this and have some fun with it um but yeah so just going back to it I did hype up National Voter Day, National Voter Registration Day. Um, Hopefully you guys actually did that. Um, It's your one way to have a say in what goes on. Um, Also, off of a political rant, uh, we do have some interesting stuff coming up. Um, Not New Mexico United related. We are also partnered with New Mexico Runners. Uh, We have some really, really fun stuff coming up this weekend. Um, which we're filming for, and it should be dropping sometime next week. So keep an eye out for that. Um, other than that, I got nothing.
0: Do you want to shout out the runners on social media there, Earl?
2: What was that? Do I want to shout out the runners on social media? Um,
0: yeah, so that people know where to find that at.
2: Yeah, NM Runners, um, if you, on the search bar, if you're on Facebook, if you type in, I believe, hashtag runners1, you could find some of their posts and find them off of that way. And I'm doing that right now to make sure I'm not viewing fake news because that's not who I am.
1: Yeah, I, I, I didn't make it out to a runner's game last year, but uh, I definitely would like to um, whenever they can have matches here again because uh, I, I hear it's really exciting and really fun. So I, I'm excited for that partnership and what it brings and and hopefully we can... If whenever they have fans or media at matches, again, maybe all three of us can can meet up for one of those and, and go check it out in person and be able to podcast about them a little bit. What would you find, Earl?
2: So, yes, yeah, so like I was saying, hashtag run is one. Um, click on Andres's uh, social media page and he, he's listed as the owner, CEO and president of New Mexico Runners. Just click on New Mexico Runners and you can go check out their page um really good group really incredible group does a lot for the community um and i guess i can start broadcasting it now um hashtag team earl there's a lot going in between this um so if you guys pay attention next week sometime hashtag team earl uh and that's about what i got
1: all right guys um I don't. I don't have much. We we talked about voter registration and how important that is. We've covered the matches and and United pretty well. Um, so if you watched on Twitch, uh, you caught our our World Soccer um, coverage there. So I feel like there's something left, and I just I can't think of anything. So I'm not going to drag it out anymore. Uh, I'm Jacob. For Seth and Earl, you can catch us all on social media: Facebook, Twitter, all the jazz, all that jazz. You can catch us on Twitter at Suncast uh, and Summers Coast News. Uh, check out the Facebook page, which Earl does a wonderful job running. Uh, you can see Seth. Uh, you can find Seth on his personal Twitter, or me, or Earl on our personal Facebook, and get a hold of us that way. Or you can email Seth or I at David or David. Where did that come from? Uh, it's been a long day, I guess. Uh, Seth at Media and Jacob at DadVenturesMedia.com. Dad uh, you can email us, either of us there. So with that, Seth, Earl, thanks again for a wonderful conversation here. And uh, we'll catch all of you guys next week. So hopefully we can get this three points and, and come back and and celebrate that. So until next Tuesday, guys. So much
0: to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.